in the Gospel of Mark, the 15th chapter, starting in the 21st verse. And they compelled a passerby, a Simon of Cyrene, who is coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him and to one another saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with Him also reviled Him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, Lima Sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, Behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled the sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see what Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. On this Good Friday, on this evening as we gather here together, what what do you long for? What do you most long for? What preoccupies your mind? What are you hoping for? We, together, we live in a world hungry. Hungry for fulfillment. Hungry for affirmation. And that we can say, yes, indeed, our longings have been answered. Our life does, in fact, have meaning. Our life is flourishing. 
thousands, millions who have gone before us would long for much the same. In days of old, they would bring their tributes, their sacrifices to the temple, exchanging their time, their talents, their treasures, looking for that affirmation, that meaning, that longed-for transcendence, something more than just the brokenness or the messiness of the now. I heard some months ago a pastor say, we still go to temples today here in 2019. Maybe you scoff, I don't go to any temple. Who would do that these days? But before you question, think about anew. Why did we, why do we go to the temple? Even I suggest to you this evening that even atheists seek places of transcendence. They go to temples too. I read this week a prominent atheist author, Martin Hagelin, committed in search as for what he describes a secular faith, a faith without God. And he writes that his life is dependent on previous generations as he seeks out this secular faith. Dependent on those who took care of him. Dependent on the history of the earth that, as he writes, so easily could have been different and that might never have brought us into being. Well, he's right about being dependent. He's right about the fragileness of life. And he's right in looking for something more. But he looks for it in the finite. He looks for it just solely in the now. He would assert that his future, however, is not dependent. His future, unlike his past that is so dependent, his future is in his hands. And therefore, up to Him to find meaning in this finite world. Up to Him to trade His time, treasure, and talents in the temples of this world to find significance. And I would argue with Him and discuss with you this night that His search will fall short. For even the best places of significance and meaning in this world, places that God ordained, things that God has blessed and even calls us to bring our life in Christ to, will fall short. What am I talking about? I'm talking the places that we go to oh so often for meaning these days. You see, instead of coming to be filled up with the love of Christ in these places, we come to ask them to save us and give us 
those meanings. And when we do that, we kill them and we fall short. Those temples look like friends. They look like family. Even the sustenance of food, our finances, fun even, and even fandom, affirmation. Think about it. When we put the weight of the world on our friends and seek to find our significance there, it will eventually let us down. Friends, as well-meaning and loving as they may be, can't hold that on their shoulders. And if we go to our family, even our forever loves, even our own children and grandchildren, in their success, if we put our longings, our deepest longings, even as good as those relationships may be, eventually, there too, it will fall short. Oh, we find fun as a place of transcendence, don't we? To get that next adrenaline high. And as fun and as good as those things can be, they're only as good as the next high can bring us. And we even look to have fans. How many likes did I get? Who would affirm my ideology? ideology? Who would say yes to my meme? Oh, we want transcendence. But these places that we long for, these temples that we go to, even as good as they may be, they fall short. Now, it's easy for us, it's easy for us to acknowledge those things that we know are already broken, the places that we go to get filled up that oh, we can name oh so easily that fall short, whether it's addiction or abuse or self-harm or greed. Oh, we can make a long list of those things that we would all agree can't fill us up. But if we go to be saved from the places of these temples, these good things, they will fall short. So where do we go? In a blog post by Chad Bird, Pastor Bruce shared with me and many of us not that long ago during this Lenten season. He calls the unhappy creed of acquisition. He talks about in different words and in different ways how these temples do fail us. He quotes G.K. Beale, who says it succinctly, we resemble what we revere, either for our ruin or our restoration. So how is it that these temples either bring ruin or they bring restoration? Those temples have to stand worthy to the test that we put them to. And if it's possible for them to bring us restoration, then they must be more than just of the things of this world. They can be that for sure as Christ was who put on flesh. But it also must go beyond that as well. 
And so the weight of our hopes, the weight of the hope of our salvation must come from one whose shoulders can bear it. And as Romans 1 reminds us, we must not exchange the truth for a lie, even if that lie tastes so sweet. And so we are called and reminded this night to revere the only one who can restore us, to revere ultimately the only one who can redeem us. This, the final temple. In the Gospel of John, we learn that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Literally translated tabernacled among us. He became the meeting place for God, but not in a building, not in a tent, but with flesh and blood. God made it personal. It gets personal. This, the final temple, revealed to us in Christ alone. And so on this night, we remember that our very existence, our longings, our hope, are dependent. Yes, indeed, dependent. Dependent on a God who came before us. Dependent on a God, as C.S. Lewis pointed out, who doesn't seem to lose anything in creating us, but chooses to lose everything to redeem us. And so unlike all of these other temples where we bring good stuff to have it exchanged for something greater, Jesus functions differently. Unlike that world, as Hughes points out, Jesus drinks the sewage of our sin and guilt. He actually, as Paul points out in 2 Corinthians, becomes sin for us. For our sake, He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This, as attributed by to Luther, is called, and what we often call, the great exchange. Counter to the creed of acquisition. Counter to saving myself by my own power. We are, yes, in fact, dependent. Dependent on not what I get to trade in, but on what Jesus does. His sacrifice. This great exchange, what do we bring? We bring nothing more than our brokenness. We bring nothing more than the sewage of our sin. And from this final temple, what do we get? We get salvation. The ultimate longing of our hearts. Many of us would do anything to save ourselves, to give ourselves the best life possible. But Jesus on the cross would deny Himself. Why? 
When he was scoffed, as we heard read in Mark's Gospel tonight, would he not save himself because he knew, as Edmund Clowney the scholar points out, because he came to save others. He would not save himself. There was no other way, as Jesus knew and learned in Gethsemane, for us to be saved than for him to sacrifice himself for us. Jesus wouldn't even take that mixed drink with mirror, uh, as we learn from scholars, was a type of narcotic to, dump, to numb some of the pain. Jesus would feel every blow, every spike, every painful breath as he would pull himself up on the spikes on his hands and feet. He would go to the cross so that we wouldn't have to. He would bring what we couldn't bring. He would pay what we couldn't pay. Even the American Medical Journal of Medicine in reviewing the crucifixion several years ago now said that this death by crucifixion crucifixion was in every way excruciating. Literally out of the cross. And out of the cross of Christ, this final temple, this God with us, would bring the ultimate justice and He would bring the ultimate restoration. He would redeem us. He comes to bring life. And so we, when you and I come to this final temple, we offer nothing and He gives everything. Does God care about the right and the wrong? The right and the wrongs we see all around us? Sometimes right next door in our own city, look to the cross. Does God care about your broken heart, the heartache of grief that seems to just pierce you every time you think of that loss, then look to the cross. Does the God who created heaven and earth care about the longings of the human heart? Look to the cross. Does God care about these lists of sins? These things that separate us from God? Look to the cross. Why? So that we can have life abundantly. Abundant life that requires sacrifice. Not our own, but His. The God who created us was the only one who could establish this new great exchange, this temple. He's the one that deserves our reverence. He's the one that can restore us. Friends, if the, if the cross is still hard for you to get your head around, you aren't alone. The disciples were scattered and in hiding. But the earth still shook, even though they doubted. The cloth that separated us from the presence of God still tore in two even though His most faithful denied Him. 
This bodily temple bore the weight of, transgress- of the transgression for all humankind. This great exchange for our wretched sin was accomplished. And love, like the world has never seen, has come upon us. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish, but shall have eternal life. That eternity began in the crowded streets of Jerusalem that Passover week. And all but the cry of one centurion near the foot of the cross, his followers left him. They didn't understand. They were scattered in fear. They would have to wait until the third day to finally realize what had been done for them. I pray, dear friends, that that's not so for you. That in this wait between Good Friday and Easter, you would confess. Confess your sin and come to this final temple. It's not a building. It's a God-made flesh, Jesus No longer a place, but the real, historical Jesus. Friends, family, finances, fun. Those will all be places that can bring about joy when we bring Jesus to them and not seek to do what they never were intended to do. Save us. Beloved of God, as you pray this night, hear the cry of our Savior of the world. He alone can make this great exchange. He alone is the temple that can bear the weight of what you're longing for. Remember, He cries for you. He is ready for this great exchange. Look to the cross. Look to Jesus. Amen.